Under center he goes. Rodgers in motion. Rodgers has got it. Breaks the tackle to the outside. Rodgers turns the corner. 10-5. Touchdown, James Rodgers. Welcome, everybody, into another episode of the Damn Podcast with your hosts, Marcus Greaves and Angie Machano. Angie, the Beavers are back in action, of course. They, what is this, week two they just wrapped up of uh, fall camp they practice? Just, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, we're starting week three now. Jesus. I mean, seriously, a week from today, it's full-on, you know, Coach Smith press conference and gearing up for Ohio State. Ohio State, number five in the country. It's going to be an interesting sight to see. Obviously, all Beaver fans want to see a win. I don't know. Uh We'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, Angie, obviously with the offense and the team right now, I'd say the most important thing is figuring out who the starting quarterback is going to be. For some odd reason, it feels like in the past couple of years, this has been the topic that is always brought up. And I, like I said in the last episode, I'd rather have it be, you know, they figure out the guy by week two. From the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like that's the case. Angie, who do you think really has the lead right now to be the starting QB? Gosh, I wish I knew, Marcus. It's been um, – it, one guy I think is, you know, when I came in, you know, our first podcast, I was touting uh, Connor Blount. I thought he was going to be the guy. He had an amazing first week, but he's kind of trailed off a little bit. And right now it looks to be a, a Jake Luton-Jack Coletto competition. Um, I, I, You know, at the end of the day, I know the staff has been really pleased with how – Jake has settled in and gotten comfortable with the offense, but then I keep hearing how great Coletto has been the past couple days in practice. So um, those two guys, I know the other guys are getting some reps. I know um, Aiden Willard was getting some two reps with the twos. Um, we know how this goes. I mean, Oregon State needs to have a, a couple quarterbacks because injuries kind of seem to happen, but I think it's concerning. Personally, yeah. I think it's concerning that the Beavers do not have a quarterback named. I think I think they, yeah, obviously need to pick a, a guy here soon. Or like I said, we should we would ha- want them to have it by week two. But since that's not the case, you know what we were talking about earlier was maybe it's just a scenario of, um, for example, like Fresno State, what they did with Marcus McMarion. Um, Fresno State started, I don't even know his name. They started a quarterback over Marcus. Um, for the first or for the preseason games, um, just because, you know, Fresno State last season played Alabama in one of their first games. They played Washington in one of their first games. Um, so maybe they're just, you know, getting another guy some experience just to be a backup come uh, conference time, whatever that is. Maybe you just don't want your main guy to get hurt. But I think the difference is in that scenario is they knew, I think they knew that Marcus was going to be their starter. And then. They already knew, or they were trying to find a backup. But I think in this case, and what, and what that does, Marcus, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, what good. that does too is it, it leaves there's no film on the guys. Yeah, exactly. Season film. Yeah, and so I think it's a I think it's a good move, but at the same time, it's kind of like if you have a guy who really stands out, because I guarantee you, Marcus was standing out more than anyone else at QB there. Um, then it makes it a lot easier. Just come conference time, then you already have your guy. They don't have film on him, and then they don't know what to expect. And then, obviously, as we know, Marcus had a great season. I think they ended up winning 10 games and beat Houston in their bowl game. So maybe that kind of scenario will work. I will say, Angie, that the one thing I definitely don't want is the two-quarterback system because I just feel like that doesn't work. I think timing and um, kind of QB wide receiver energy and connection 
and is so big that a lot of people don't understand, but it's so big. And I think if you keep subbing guys in and out, it just doesn't work. So I, I agree. Yeah. I just want, I just want them to make a decision really. And I think a lot of the guys on the offense do, obviously I know the quarterbacks want them to, but also, like I said, in the last one, uh, the last episode that we have, we can't just, I feel like bashing, you know, the whole Jonathan Smith era already is a bad thing to do. I just think we should let him, you know, we should let it ride out, let him do what he wants and then kind of see and understand later on in the season, what he was trying to do. So, well, yeah. And, and you have to remember, you know, for, for our listeners, Marcus and I seriously had like a 15 minute conversation before we pushed record. So <laughs> we, yeah. we're going back on some things here, but um you know, this is all inherited. This pretty much this entire roster is inherited for him. It's uh, not exactly maybe what he would have recruited. So um, he's making the best of, of what he can with, with the pieces that he has. Yeah. And it just takes a little bit, you know, that he still has to develop players. He's not, obviously you're not going to walk in, um, say someone like, you know, obviously a, co- a head coach walking into USC or walking into Alabama, you're not just going to walk in with the best guys in the country. You're going to walk in with some um, damn good talent for sure, but just the fact that you have to develop them how you want to develop them, same thing that um, the previous staff did. They changed a lot of players' bodies, a lot of what they wanted to do and what they wanted to see. They changed the players to be that. So I think it just will take some time. We'll give them some time, obviously, and then we'll probably understand it later on in the season what they were trying to do. Um, Defensively, Angie. How do you think they're looking? Oh my gosh! Yesterday they had uh, the defense. I thought had one of their best practices of the spring. Um, so much energy. They were feeding off of it. Um, the coaches were even really excited um, after after practice with just how much energy that the guys brought on defense. They were making plays, and the young guys were stepping up. You know, the the guys are kind of dinged up. Today is a day off, and I think it's a much needed. I know, Marcus, I'd love, after we talk about defense a little bit, love for you to talk a little bit about what your body feels like heading into week three of camp. Oh, because gosh, I know yeah, it, I'll let everybody it's know. brutal. Oh, goodness. But um, I know that they um, are going to be loving this day off. And I, I think a, a day off is maybe a misnomer because I, I do believe they are inside Valley. They're getting treatments. They're in meetings. They're watching film. But um, they're not actually participating on, in practice today. So it's a, a rest for the body. And um, those guys needed it. But that defense was... Um, you know, we, we talked to Dwayne Williams, a veteran on the defense. And, you know, he said this was, you know, when you're getting to this part in camp to bring that much energy is it helps energize the entire team. Yeah. And if you have guys like we keep stressing who have fun when they play, it's just such a different feeling. Like, like I said, you're going to have guys who are dancing on the sideline, but when it's time to focus up, they're going to focus up. You know what I have been realizing, too, is that Coach Bray, I want to say, brings so much energy to a defense. It's insane. I was watching a couple of videos and a couple uh practices that he was at, obviously, and he was like, if the ball's on the ground, which is I think it's super great to teach him, no matter where it is, it's if it's an incomplete pass, if it's a fumble, obviously you want to get on it. But every single time the ball is on the ground, the linebackers not only sprint to the ball, but they sprint, they work on their scooping and picking it up, and then they run 15 yards in the opposite direction like that's huge that's that's something that that's going to transition over to a game all the time so they just have coach bray is usually running down the field with yeah exactly and he's running down the you know (laughs) i forget that he used to play and he was one of oregon state's best because i think i want to say it was maybe key somebody got an interception or somebody picked up a ball and started running the opposite direction and coach bray was running right next to him and i was like jesus he's kind of fast like (laughs) It was it was insane. I didn't even know, but um, it was crazy. It sounds like you know, if anything, 
in the past couple seasons, I want to say the defense has probably obviously been better than the offense. But I think with the young talent that they have and the amount of players that they keep subbing in and out and understanding each and every role, that the defense is going to be really damn good. But, again, the roadblock, the defensive line. Angie, have you seen any improvement with that? You know, I, I haven't seen a ton. Um, they didn't even go live 11 on 11 on Saturday. Um, but I do like what I'm seeing from, I call him, we call him Little Hodgins just because he's the younger brother. Isaac Hodgins, defensive tackle, true freshman. He really seems to, to be in there. Kalani Bakamelalo has, has been in there. So, um, you know, I, I know that they're working on some schemes and, and then getting some guys off the edge, some of those hybrid type linebackers, the, you know, Isaac or um, Isaac Garcia's and, and some of those guys to, to come in and, and help shore up that defensive line. Yeah, I think, and, you know, uh, we're not getting into the damn questions yet, but one question I just wanted to bring up was um, somebody asked, actually, if I could find the name. It was Beavs for Life. I like that name. Anyways, um, he says that he thinks a two-four-five defense would be brilliant, just because you can have, um, you know, like Hamakar out there. You can have Anjay. You can have Key. You can have all those guys outside rushing, and then at the same time, you have, you know, maybe your two bets. Since obviously the defensive line hasn't been producing, you take a guy like Kalani, or you take a guy like Elu, put him in the middle. Um, you want to, I mean, obviously, if a team like Stanford wants to run on you, that would happen just because Stanford's obviously a lot bigger, a lot stronger. They're going to run the ball down your throat a lot. But if you play a team like Washington State, I feel like that that kind of defense would be great. You have a lot of athletic guys who can get to a quarterback who can't run as fast or you can get to a quarterback who's not elusive. Or since obviously it's the Pac-12, everyone's fast. You know, you have your athletic guys out there to make those kind of plays. Um, so... I would, it would be interesting to see if the defense would really switch over to that. Like I said, it obviously depends if the defensive line can produce or not. And I think, Angie, you and I both agree that if the defensive line can produce, then the defense is going to be pretty damn good. If not, then it might be another rough season on defense. Don't you agree? I totally agree, completely. Yeah, it's just, you know, you would just wish that somebody will finally flip a switch and make the change. Um, but we will wait and see. Angie, I know that you just brought up your feeling after fall camp for a lot of people who don't know. Uh, yeah, I just want to hear a player. So and the, another thing that we've heard, too, that I don't know if it's different, but, um, you know, this, the players are required during the first couple weeks of fall camp, they were required to basically be at the Valley Center. They ate all their meals together as a team. They required them to, um, you know, sit with different position groups so they weren't just sitting with the same guys every day, day in, day out. But talk just explain to me what your body and what you feel like after, you know, when you're after two full weeks of fall camp. Well, the thing is, I will say that's really interesting though about sitting with different groups because uh, I think we did that from what I remember with Coach Riley. We didn't do that with Coach Anderson. Um, but your body, just in general, fall camp is definitely the toughest two weeks. Uh, that if you ask any athlete or any football player, fall camp is probably the worst time of your life. As much as you love the sport, I love football to death. And even then, I was like, this is so rough on me. It's rough mentally, rough physically. Um, your days are starting at 5, not getting over till 9.39. Um, but it's just the fact that you, you're constantly going every single day for four or five hours. You go practice, you go weights, then you go film, then you go recovery, then you go back to film, then you eat, you know, just stuff like that. It just is – it wears and tears on you because – 
I know for a fact everyone is excited for the first day of fall camp. Obviously, Angie, you were there taking pictures. Guys love that kind of stuff, especially now because they see you can see the community that really is Oregon State. It's back. You know, there's hype around the football team again. It's not like everything is so secretive. As much as nobody really likes to or nobody really understands, Angie, like you showing up taking pictures. That kind of that brings the fun back into it for the guys, stuff like that. Because you see, you know, you're they're coming out of the locker room, and you say, "Give them a pose," right? And guys are, yeah, yeah. you know, guys are just having a good time, and it's it's just stuff like that that makes fall camp a little easier. And seeing uh, reporters on the sideline, I know I was always excited because I was like, "Well, I'm going to play my damn best," so somebody is going to write a story about me, and you know, or just stuff like that, you know, just little things like that. But in general, your body, they say. Or I want to say Coach Simon said our bodies wouldn't recover from fall camp um, until the second or third week of the season, which is insane wow. to me. I didn't really understand it. They really push you to be mentally stronger than almost anyone because, long story short. And I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing everybody, you know, just, you know, fans forget about is that this isn't just the two-hour or three-hour practice. Oh, that, no. You know, oh, I would, I would love meetings. to have that. <laughs> this is the, the mental part, I think, is not only the mental part of, kind of the mind games that go on with, you know, playing the second team, third team, um, you know, where you are in the coach's eyes. I mean, there's a lot going on there mentally, but then just the preparation and the film and the, um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a 6 a.m. to 9 at night. Yeah, and, deal. you know, the and, competition uh, level just eats, I mean, it's, it's brought to a whole different level because you want yeah. to take that spot. Um, for example, uh, especially on kick return, me and Victor ended up being back there. Um, but even in the spring and stuff like that, like it's just, it's constantly building up. Like the coaches are looking at everything you're doing. And so that's why me and Yancey used to go wake up before fall camp. We would go and we'd go do stairs uh, in research, right? Just because we wanted to take, we wanted to push Nall and we wanted to take that spot and get the ball. But, you know, it's just everything like that. The competition level in fall camp is the coaches hold it to a higher standard and their players to a higher standard. You hold yourself to a higher standard. And if you don't get the spots you want, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be pissed off. You know, that's a good thing about this staff and that they let everybody get in. And you guys have to go. I mean, we're going to put you guys in the right position to be successful on the field and off the field. But on the field, if you guys don't make the plays, we're not going to play you. And it's not yeah, favorites. Yeah. It's not your guy. It's or it's not you're not my guy or I didn't recruit you. It's we're going to play the best players. And so even if that's, say, uh, Jamar Jefferson, right, He's better if he's better than AP and they think he's better than AP, they're going to play him over AP no matter how many, you know, how many days he's been on campus, right? It's just how it and, goes. And I think that's, that's a hard thing for a yeah. freshman too, right? Because they're used to being the top dog. I mean, when they're, if you're a recruited D1 Power 5 athlete, you're – probably pretty damn good at your high school and oh yeah didn't you know you didn't have to work maybe as hard and and now you're coming to a program that everybody was the top dog and, and that's it's, it's super an hard to get used to it I, is it's, it's hard crazy to get used to for some guys. i know for a fact because obviously i played in prineville small 4a team um and it, i mean honestly it wasn't really fair there was times where you know a couple games i was like well you know i only have to play the first quarter because i'm i'm running five touchdowns and 300 yards on people and we're already beating them by 50 right and then you get to Oregon State and I was like this is unreal because I thought I was fast and then so yeah. when I catch you know a screen pass or something and it's there's nothing but green grass oh this is easy and so I'm burning down the sideline but I only I thought I was burning down the sideline and there's you know I get five yards and someone's already running me down what the hell's going on 
But you know yeah. that's just how it is, and it's a it's hard for a lot of players to adjust. That's why when you see someone like Jefferson, you have to admire the fact that he's really that good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and talking with you know, I I spoke with Coach Petrie and Coach Burns, and and talking to them about. And I know this is kind of true everywhere, but you know they tell kids when they're recruiting them, look, I'm recruiting, and they tell the players we're recruiting guys to come take your spot. Oh, absolutely. And every year, every year you're looking for better guys, better guys, and. You better keep working. It's nothing's given. Well, and that's I I like that about Coach uh, Smith's staff because that's really how it is. I think with the last staff, they said that, and then if a player was better, they're still not going to put him over, right? They're not going to yeah. put him over yeah. the guy that they recruited or whatever that is. Um, or the guy the way, they like. Yeah, by the way, Angie, we were talking about this after. I want to say this is this might be the last episode we ever talk about the previous staff. Cause I'm, <laughs> we've, we've said that, but I, ser- I know. I seriously want to be done, but oh my God. Gosh, Marcus, yeah, it's it, such a train wreck. It's like things just keep popping up that it's like, oh my God, we have to talk about it because yeah. it's so much different now. Definitely, and it, it's just so much different. It's just it's that's that's the thing. It's just it's weird because it's back to how it should be and not. You know, I I told you this off the air, but um, and I, I mentioned this in our Beaver What's Confidential this past week, but I think it, it's worth our listeners hearing because I it really you know I've done this a long time. I've been covering Oregon State football for a long time, and. Um, during the scrimmage afterward, there was an autograph session and I was going around and it wasn't super busy. And I was taking some pictures of some of the guys and um, talking to them. And I, I, I'm not going to mention names, but there were some guys I spoke with, just asked them how it was going and how, how they were feeling about it. And, and one player um, who had been, who has been recruited by coach Riley, you know, fifth year senior played for coach hall, coach Anderson, and now coach Smith, fourth head coach. Um, he got a big grin on his face and he like, it's, we're back to Beaver football. It feels like Beaver football. And then a, a player who was recruited by the previous staff chimed in and said, yep, I know this is how it's supposed to be. It, it feels good. So, and I heard that from several players. And that, that I think, right there is something that Beaver Nation should feel good about. Yeah, that's, I mean, we can't stress that enough. People don't really understand that. And I think anyone who's an, or, say you're an Alabama fan, you're not going to understand that because Alabama's winning 11 to 12 games every single season and maybe losing once. But a team like Oregon State who's had great seasons and then they've had really, really bad seasons, and now they're, they're, you know, they're trying to make their way back up to um, you know, at least competitive in the conference, that stuff, that's the kind of stuff that gets you going. And that's kind of the stuff yeah. that, that really flips it and will turn from you know, not only a, maybe a couple sacks in a game but a dominant game by the defense or – whatever that is, and then finally flip it from, you know, you see flashes in plays and you see quarters that the team looks really good and they fall apart, that turns into wins eventually. And that's just, yeah. you just honestly, you just have to write it out, Angie. <laughs> I mean, I know for a fact, especially after uh, a season at Oregon State where I think we lost every game maybe. No, I want to say we beat, we beat San Jose State. I think that was it, and Weber State. That's about it. Right. So you have those seasons and then you have seasons where you completely trash, you know, Arizona, you know, you're competitive in almost every single game besides maybe Boise State or Colorado. And you drop, you know, the most points on Washington, stuff like that. You see you see it that it's starting to flip. And then obviously, you know, the train wreck happened. You get rid of your best QB, blah, 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 whatever happens. But stuff like that is going to flip eventually. It just takes some time. Right. But, I do. I like the staff, though, what we're seeing a lot. Yes. Um, Angie, I know that we usually save the questions for last, but I think these questions are really good this time. So I do. I if do I too. could just shoot some questions out, I would Let's do it. love to do that. 
So this Damn first question time. Yeah, we need like I need to make like a little jingle for that. Make a, yes, you do. You think I should? I think I will next time. <laughs> I think you will. And and we are looking for a sponsor for the damn questions. Yes. So if your business would like to sponsor, get you know, get in touch with Marcus or I and we yeah, can uh, do help it. hook and, you up. And uh, if you guys want me to like sing, dance, do backflips, <laughs> I'll try. I can't really move anymore like I could, but I'll at least try for you for the damn questions. Anyways, Angie, uh first question, this is from Beaver Dam. Uh, what will the offense's identity be under Coach Smith? And do you see a scenario where Smith uses QB um, it says QB by committee during the non-conference games to determine who gives the best chance uh, to start during conference play. Personally, I would say you. I just I don't even know. Like the I mean the identity, <laughs> the identity wise, I say you're gonna see a lot of offense like you see Colorado. Colorado likes to run the ball a lot. Colorado doesn't really have a lot of deep threat passes. But what they do is they just get the ball to the QB, obviously, and then they they just do it quick. So a QB only has to read one or two things, and then from there you're chunking away at six to seven yards or five to six yards. You're not going to obviously bomb the ball downfield and try to get a home run every time you throw it, but you just want to chunk it away and keep drives going, keep drives going, keep drives going, wearing out a defense, and then you have, you know, maybe you take a shot downfield or maybe you get a running back who breaks through the first and second line, and then only has to make a safety miss, and then they score, stuff like that. I think they'll wear out the defense is kind of what we're going to see from this offense because they have the talent to do those kind of things, but I just don't think they're at a point yet where a deep threat is really going to be kind of the, the identity of the offense like we've seen in the past couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they would like to have you know the opportunity, and I think that's really what they – like about Luton is the fact that he has that big arm. Um, but, you know, Jack's shown some decent passes too, and Jack's super athletic. So um, it, it's not going to be an RPO type offense, but um, I agree with you. It's going to be that chunk it down the field and, you know, yeah, just, in yeah, we're just nickel working and dime. Down the field. The, yeah. Because, Which is fine. Hey, yeah. as long as you're going forward, yeah, um, really. picking up chunks, it, it's fun. And so it sounds like this other part of the question was really. We kind of uh, talked about. Yeah, kind yeah. of like the two-quarterback system, and I don't think that is a good thing because I think you – a big thing about playing quarterback is confidence. If It's just like kicker. You know, obviously a kicker could have <laughs> maybe, you know, like a, a chip shot, 15 yards. A good example is Arizona State and Washington last season. Uh, Washington's kicker was a great kicker all season long, and then come Arizona State, he lost his confidence, and that kid – I'm talking he had like a 10-yard chip shot, and he just shanked it. So stuff like that, you don't want to get in your own head. And so I think building the confidence for whoever you do decide to start is going to be huge. And if they can do that, I think they could have pretty, you know, quality quarterback play. They look a yeah, little definitely. inconsistent, but, you know, they play. They have the same kind of play style for sure. Yeah, and I've said all along that I like at least having a quarterback that can move um, just because it, if things break down, they're they're not going to just – you know, lose 10 yards and, and fall to the ground. So um, that's where, you know, Jack, I think really can excel. You know, he looked horrible during spring, horrible. So um, to see him making strides, I, I know people that live in Camas that saw him as a, as a high school player, just raved about him and his athleticism and what a good guy he was. So, um, you know, I think that alone, you know, the athleticism could, could be a big thing for Oregon state. Um, but like I said, then you have, 
you know, Luton, who's been doing all the media availability, the coaches have been talking about just how comfortable he's getting with the offense. So the, the coaches really aren't showing their hands either. Which is interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm really, I'm just intrigued about it. Um, and no, it is. It's really an intriguing thing. And I don't have a guy, you know, I'm not like, I have no horse in the race. And, you know, last year I really felt that Marcus had earned that spot. Um, I don't and, know how he didn't. That's my problem. Yeah, I mean, don't get me started um, on that. And, I, and that's and that's where that's where Coach Anderson lost the team. I mean, we've talked about that. I mean, when when that announcement came out, um, that was to me, you could just see the the wind out of that team. They yeah. lost. You and know. you know, I want to say, and when we say that, because I feel like a lot of people don't understand when you say he lost a team. Um, it's no disrespect to say someone like Daryl Garrettson or Jake Luton, because both of them I think are um, great players. It's just the fact that if you see what Marcus had been through the adversity he faced just to get to the spot where he was finally able to at least get in a game. And then the kid comes out and just balls out every game ends up, you know, obviously being the starting quarterback in the civil war. Winning those last two games. Yeah. Beat Arizona and Oregon. Right. It's just, it's, it, it was on the, it was on the come up and you just, we were all behind. I feel like we were all so tight as a team. It felt like everything was finally clicking. Like I finally felt comfortable with every you know everyone on our team, the abilities, it even you know honestly even looked like the defensive line was making huge strides, and then you have something like, you know Jake came in, you know Jake was a great player regardless, but the fact that you just have someone come in and you can be and just replace Marcus just like that within the first week, I didn't even think I think it was even the first or second day, like yeah Marcus yeah. was back he, they put him at like fourth string and it was just ridiculous I didn't understand yeah. it but. Um, Angie, next question. Uh, let me see. It was right. And now I lost it. Uh, ah, it says, and this one is directed right at you. Angie, get us more scoop on the Beaver special teams, punters and kickers. It matters. Angie, do you, do you see anything different with that, with that group? Cause honestly, I was watching some film last night. And one thing I realized was that our punting was not very good by any means. No. It was actually no. really bad. Uh, and you know, they work on it a lot, which is, is good to see. And and the whole team works on it. It's not like um, the specialists are just hard because they do. They go off and they start working out. Like if the team's on, on pro throw, that they'll do some special teams at the beginning and then head over into research and work where the media is not, not able to, to watch. So um, I've heard that they're, they're looking better and there's some confidence kind of building. Jordan Shukare, kicker. So um, punter. I believe Jake Rodriguez is, is the punter. So, um, you know, punt return has been being worked on. Heard some good things. Mason Moran might surprise some people at, as a punt returner this year. So I think that fast. would be a good move. Yeah, that kid's athletic. I, I think people yeah. people forgot because that kid is a – he is stupid fast. Yeah, It is yeah. unreal. He I think it – was he the fastest one on the team? He's one of the fastest guys on the team. Sheesh. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Angie, uh, last question from my side. Um, who scores the first offensive touchdown of the year for the Beavers? I'm going with Jermar Jefferson. Ha, I was going to say the same thing. Oh, and that I know this respect to AP because I love AP, but yeah, I'm thinking it's Jermar. Yeah, I would say either Jamar or AP for sure. Um, AP is an animal. <laughs> I love the way AP <laughs> plays. He's good. Um, but Okay, so I've got a couple for you. Yes. Rio, and these are from Beaver Blitz in the Lodge. Rio Alcia, Alcy says, what will be this year's biggest pleasant surprise with OSU football? The fact that you can, that, okay, 
That is perfect question. I love that. Just the fact that they're going to stay competitive for four quarters. I see it. I see that. There is no there's no, going to be that's going to be a pleasant surprise which I know a lot of people are going to be are going to say Marcus that was a terrible answer. But no, really, I hear you. Yeah, when you really look at it, you see a game like last year when they're playing Washington. Where what was it? Was it seven to nothing going into halftime, or was it? Yeah, it was something it like was, that, right? Yeah. And then you come yeah, out seven, and they yeah. lay a, a fat goose egg and they get blown out. It was like what forty nine to seven, something like yeah. that. And so staying competitive through a full game is going to give them an opportunity to win, and it's going to show that there is progress. Whatever that progress is, whether, like I said, it's sacks, touchdowns, uh, you know, forcing turnovers, whatever, it's just the fact that you see that it's progress. And so yeah. that, I think, will be the biggest thing that we're going to see at least this upcoming season. Well, and I, I, I going along with that, I think we're going to see, I, I don't know how many of you guys realize, but, you know, sitting up in the media press box, we look right down at the OSU sideline across the field and how splintered it was. You know, oh, you yeah. would see little little groups not – I mean, nobody – I mean, people were sitting on the bench, not paying attention. I think – I mean, that goes right along with playing four quarters, all 60 minutes, and they're going to be together. They're going to be up. They're going to be in the game. That's going to – it's going to be a good one. Andrew, do you have another question? I do. Um, let's see. D. Andrew 87 says, what happened between spring practice of 2017 and fall camp optimism – where fall camp optimism was high for the season? And then, ouch, how did everyone miss – that we were on the verge of one, if not the worst seasons in OSU football history. And I think that goes right back to what we talked about with the whole Marcus McMarion and, and the losing the team. Yeah. And I, I know I've said it a lot, but um, the, the say the wind was just taken out of their sails. I mean, they lost trust of the coaches and they really just didn't care anymore. They were like, wow, the guy that deserved to be the starting quarterback was not named quarterback. Well, not just, you know, it just goes in every single direction. You just have so many guys who were working their way up. Like, for example, if I put myself in that situation, obviously I was not the starting running back, and I wanted to be the starting running back. So I'm busting my ass in the morning, right, afternoon, doing extra stuff. I know, you know, every running back was doing extra stuff as well. But, you know, I'm going to put my money on me that I'm going to work harder than everybody else. And I think that's how everyone on that team had the same mindset. And that's why we were, we we're heading in such a good direction. And then you see something like that. And it just, even for me, like I felt like he, when he benched Marcus or put him at fourth string, it looked like they did. It felt like they did that to me. If that makes sense. What yeah. I'm trying to say, yeah. it's like, that's exactly the situation I could be in. And even then someone like Marcus can't break through where he has all this, like I said, he overcame all this adversity. He did all this just to finally be able to at least compete for the starting spot that he should already have. And then you put him at fourth string. I just knew for a fact that I was like, maybe I, I, I just knew I didn't trust those guys after that. I was Yeah, it's a trust thing because, you know, I've, I've played sports and, and you do. You, you know, when, when coaches start playing favorites over the guys that really deserve to be playing, you just lose then faith. You, you just lose, lose, you lose, you know, yeah. you lose your... Uh, so it's not, like, why try? Yeah. And you just lose your ability, like, not ability to compete, but you lose almost lose your will to compete. Because I even knew that once they benched Marcus, you could you could see it, Marcus, and how he was walking his demeanor. He felt defeated. And yeah. you could tell that that really cut him deep. And it cut all of us deep because we're like, that's our guy right there. And if Jake flat out came in and played you know, night and day better than him, like to a, you know, then you would be like, okay, then Jake earned it. 
but I think it was pretty close, obviously, with uh, everything that was happening. It was pretty close. I know Jake got sick, but the competition, they were playing, they were both playing great. But you can't take that away from someone like Marcus, who did so much for that program and brought it to where it was just to take, you know, 10 steps back. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, if okay, I, and this one, you'll like, you'll like this question too. Yeah. Um, Juba, Juba02 on, in the lodge says, not much has been mentioned about Christian Wallace over the last week or so. Do you think he will see the field this fall at all? I know quality backs have been a positive point since the beginning of camp so far, but I'm curious if he's just fading into the background. I wouldn't say he's fading into the background. Uh, I think I said this on the first episode or one that we did with Sprague, Angie, was once you switch positions, it's like you have to get out of that. And since he played corner for a year, he didn't take it as serious as obviously he should have, then it's hard to get back into the groove of playing running back or playing any position. But, you know, from what I witnessed at practice, he's doing the right things and he's heading in the right direction. He, has, I mean, he has all the talent in the world. When he gets the ball, he makes the plays. But it's just the fact he has to understand his assignment. He has to understand his role. And like I said, it's competition. So if he's not performing – hard, yeah. yeah. if he's not performing like he – like the coaches – think he should then he's just not going to play right it's just how it is it's not they're not picking favorites he's not you know doing anything bad he's not a bad player by any means he's a great player or he has the potential to be a great player he just has to get back into the groove and prove that that spot at running back is his yeah coach petrie said he needs to learn to run forward again yeah and it, I mean, been... yeah it yeah. just takes a little bit but i definitely see him playing special teams if anything you know he's an athlete so and I don't think a lot of people really look at special teams very serious. Some people do, some people don't. Um, but once you, you know, and that's what I remember Coach uh, Cookus was telling to the guys. I remember he was yelling at a practice was, you have to understand if you want to get to the NFL, which obviously every kid who plays college football wants to, you have to play special teams. So I think yeah. they yeah. shifted their mindset because I know they shifted my mindset as well. To uh, as soon as I got there with Coach Riley, they're saying, you know, obviously they say get on special teams. It's how you see the field. And you're like, oh, it's whatever. You know, I was this talented kid in high school. I'll just compete for a starting spot right away. No, like they, it, <laughs> it's not like that. You you definitely have to play special teams no matter who you are. You know, you could be a starting. Yeah, and the staff has gotten back to that. Yeah, right? I mean, everybody is playing special teams during you, practice. You have they, to. That's how you get better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So good questions. Wow, Angie. Oh, here, here's one. Um, Matt Tiafoni asks, when will the facility's master plan be released? I am. I heard I missed the meeting, um, but we had um, Beaver Fuzz answered for us that that will be – they're hoping to get it out before spring football this year, or 2019, so before the spring, having a facility master plan for the athletic department. Wait, there's another master plan? A master more? plan for the facilities, yes. Whoa. Can you fill me in? And anyone else who they doesn't are, know? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, they've been going through some studies, um, and the facility master plan would be for everything, right? It would be for Gill, Reeser, the other side of Reeser, um, track, soccer, um, softball. There's some talk about, you know, softball needing, I don't know if it's a locker room or a training room. So all of that. So that's what they're working on, the, the finishing touches right now. I had heard it was going to be released. Um, before football season, but I think it's been pushed back a little bit. But now um, the latest, and this was from Scott Barnes, is that they're hoping to have it out before spring football this um, what, March. Wow. You know what they really need to do is they need to – re- a lot of people say they need to change that old side 
of Reeser. I kind of like uh-huh. it, but I think what they really need to do is just paint that valley center. <laughs> you don't like the, the white? No, I don't understand that. I don't get it. May, <laughs> I don't know if Oregon State ran out of money or what, but because from like the pictures that they showed us when I was playing and they showed us what valley was going to look like, I was like, damn, this is like, this thing looks like a spaceship. I was hyped. I was like, forget the ducks. Like, we got a nice spot. And don't get me wrong, I'm super grateful for the spot because it looked really nice. The locker room was great. I love the locker room. But that ugly white paint, come on. <laughs> I feel like we could do better than the, at least they like. surplus. I mean, surplus at least paint, paint like a big beaver on it or something. Like, I would, <laughs> I would much rather have that. Oh, Angie, I was actually going to ask you as well. So I seen something that they're going back to the old Benny logo. I like yeah. that. What is that? Is that in general for football? Because if they go back to that, I am buying anything and everything that has an old Benny on it. No, it's I th- well, I don't think it's I mean it's it's going to be a secondary mark. So it's um they're releasing new uniforms for the homecoming game against Cal. So that will be on the on the helmet, the old Benny. Whoa. And what? Um, yeah. Yeah. What? All right. So, yeah, so be they'll be they'll be gear, you know. With the old Benny, but yes, it's the I believe it's the 150th year of Oregon State, so it's coinciding with that and homecoming. They brought the Benny back um, as a secondary logo. Angela, and I know people are jazzed. I, I mean, I don't really care one way or the other, but um, yeah, that's true. I mean, I I definitely care. I don't know why, but I do. Angie, I was actually going to ask you. I was looking. Me and Sprague were talking about this today, and we always talk about this. Uh, we were looking at the schedule, and I know Dirt and Sprague talked about this on their show as well. But realistically. And not, you know, obviously we're not going to be biased. How many games, just so the listeners know too, at least, or they can get our opinion, how many games do you think this team wins? Because when I look at the schedule, right, you play a team like Ohio State, you play teams like Stanford, you play teams like USC, Washington, Oregon. I mean, those all those teams are pretty damn good. And yeah, November is brutal. Yeah, the Beavers' November schedule is brutal. Um, I thought next week we would do like a, we'll go through the games, but... Um, oh. I, I don't, you know what, looking at the schedule, I, I think minimum is one. I mean, I think Southern Utah is the, is kind of the gimme. Um, but I think Nevada just, you don't know how they're going to perform on the road. Nevada's not a bad team. Um, but then some of those early games are kind of intriguing. And I think if Oregon state's going to win and, and sneak in there, I think both Arizona's so Arizona, Arizona state, they're early in the year, both new coaches, um, I think those are potentials. I think Washington state is a potential and Cal. Yeah. I mean, I, they definitely have. I mean, November is definitely rough. Like when I look at November, November so I'm yeah, like, if you look at okay. November, I know it off the top of my head now. So it's USC at home. It is at Stanford at uh, Washington or at Stanford. Washington is home. At no, it's at Washington, oh, and then it's Oregon at home. So you have home game against SC on the road at Stanford, on the road at Washington, and then Oregon at home. See, brutal. So, that yeah, is like murderer's row. But, but you know, if they can get a couple wins, you know. That's what I'm saying. I really think they could surprise some people. I mean, Southern Utah, we're hoping. We've, we've said this before. I know we said this with Portland State. That's a team you blow out. You want to beat them by 60. You want to gain a lot of confidence. If they do not beat them by 60, oh. at least don't make it a last-second touchdown to win. That's all I ask. But... <laughs> Then you play a team like Nevada. I was reading on Nevada because I was interested and I was breaking down each team on the schedule. Nevada returns 21 guys that started. So that's big. I don't know if their quarterback play is iffy, but 
we'll see. I think Oregon State can beat them. They are a lot more talented than Nevada. So we don't, obviously, like you said, we don't know how they play on the road. We will see how Coach Smith will handle that. But Arizona, you play Khalil Tate. You play J.J. Taylor at running back as well. They're super talented on offense. Defensively, I know they have that Schuler guy at running back. I mean, at linebacker. He's good. But I don't know. I think Arizona is actually really talented. They'll surprise a lot of people. I personally chose Arizona State to be the sleeper team in the conference this season. But we'll see. I think they, I mean, they're so talented offensively and defensively with athletes that if somebody, if if my man Herm can pull it together, I think they'll be really good. Um, Washington State, we just don't know quarterback. We have no idea. Yeah. You know, so. And their whole offense is predicated on their quarterback. So yeah. that's the. So it'll be interesting. Cal. I don't know what it is about Cal. I do not like Cal. So I'm going to say we beat Cal 100%. I do not like Cal. By any, I don't know why. I seriously don't. But Cal has some guys returning like Patrick Laird at running back. He's actually really good, and he torched Oregon State for 200 yards last season. So you hope that the Beavers are going to figure something out. You want the defensive line to be good by then. Colorado, I think that's a toss-up that can go either way. As we've seen last season, Oregon State was not very good, and they put up a good fight against Colorado. They should have won that game. But that game's on the road this year, and yeah. that altitude up there is no joke. Oh, yeah, it's awful, actually. 100% I remember I, playing I mean, that. Seriously. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I just, I'll just i never forget. We went to the game a few years ago, and I remember just like, dang, this is – and I'm not in the best shape, but I'm not in, like, bad shape. And I remember asking Dylan Wynn about it, and he was like, no, dude, this is no joke. Oh, yeah. I remember playing on kick return. I went and blocked somebody, and, and like, it was the first play, and I was – I felt like I've been playing for five hours. I was like, what on earth is going on? But I know. <laughs> it's awful. But then, obviously, you know you get to November. USC, I'm going to be honest, you, you're not going to beat them. I, I mean, I as much as I want them to, I don't think they will. I don't think they, they beat Stanford with Bryce Love. They don't beat Washington with Miles Gaskin. They don't beat him with uh, Jake Browning. Oregon is super talented this season. I'll never, ever, ever pick them over Oregon State. But you just want to see at least a competitive Civil War, unlike last season. Yeah, last season so, was bad. Angie, do you have anything else, or are we going to wrap this I up? I don't. I, right. I think we're good. I, I'm excited. I, thanks for all the questions, and thanks for all the feedback. Definitely. Um, Marcus and I are excited. Next week, though, we'll be start, starting to talk about Ohio State on the pod. So It's about to get real, y'all. So Stay it tuned in. It is about to get real. If, and that's another thing. Questions. Please just keep bringing in the questions. I really like them. I think they're great. The damn questions, again, if you want to sponsor that, definitely just reach out to Angie or myself. Everybody, again, thank you so much for listening to the damn podcast. Stay tuned for next week where we're starting to talk Ohio State and we'll talk the season.